A game plan. We're all supposed to have one. Whether you're doing your homework or trying to clutch the final ring in Apex Legends, and especially if you're going to 1v1 someone in a cage. I mean, unless you're Mike Perry or something. You know, I, damn it, I had to get hit first. I guess really I just like it sometimes. Well, even the best laid plans of mice and MMA fighters can oft go awry, and we've already done a video on this, but guess what? Game plans go wrong all the bloody time, and you guys liked it so much, I went and made another one. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and as always, before we get started, huge shout out to our Hall of Fame channel members for supporting us. And these are 10 more tragically failed UFC game plans. Number 10, Paul Craig vs Johnny Walker. It's not just because Paul Craig is a good friend of ours here at MMA On Point that I'll say on any given night he could be anyone on the 205 UFC roster. Don't agree with me? Well, uh, tell that to the current champion whose army snapped in half. It was Vulcan Uzumir that shut him down and ended his six-fight unbeaten streak, though. And next up, he was booked against the resurgent Johnny Walker. Now, aside from having Ireland's first BJJ black belt in his corner, Johnny Walker is a physical specimen for the division. And Paul knew that going in. And so the game plan was, of course, to take him to the ground as quickly as possible. Shooting on him was going to be hard, so waiting to catch a kick was a pretty good alternative. But the second he did that and clung on, hoping to take Johnny down, Walker started slamming him like whiskey shots with strikes to the head and it ultimately led to Paul's downfall as Johnny was able to surprisingly generate enough power whilst on one leg to TKO him. Because again, the guy's an absolute monster and there was very little Paul could do but crumble to the canvas. Didn't really work out that one. Number 9, Harley on Piver versus Sean O'Malley. There was a certain point in time where Sean O'Malley was clearly freaking super talented, okay, but still hadn't really fought anyone with a big name or a number next to it, so there were still a few doubters out there about his abilities. Around this time, he was booked to fight Hullion Piver. Now, you might have remembered him from the Dana White's Contender Series, but also because he just won three UFC fights in a row, including somehow surviving a Soprano-level beating of a first round against Kyla Phillips, and then showed he had more hit points than a Destiny 2 boss and won a majority decision. That fight of the night got him matched up with O'Malley, and most people thought his chin would carry him the distance, but most importantly though, he also had a black belt in BJJ, and he should probably test that against Sean, right? I mean, who the hell has tried to grapple this guy? Anyway, Piver told everyone fight week he was going to pressure Sean, make him wimp out, and submit him. Piver kept moving forward and trying to pressure Sean, but all that happened is he ran into straight punch after straight punch until he was cracked hard in the first round, started to swing back wildly, and was finished by O'Malley. His gameplay plan was unfortunately about as successful as the Night King finally coming over the wall. Number 8, Jared Vendera. Just, just Jared Vendera. There's been a few guys who came from the Contender Series and have done really well in the UFC, but there's also been some who probably shouldn't have been given a contract in the first place. I'm not trying to be rude, but poor old Jared Vandera got absolutely minced in the UFC. He made our 10 biggest punch bag list and for kind of good reason, really. He was a big slugger on the feet, but could also grind you out on the ground if needed. But unfortunately, he just kept getting the game plans around the wrong way. Against Alexi Olinik, a guy who's literally one of the most phenomenal submission artists the heavyweight division has ever seen, he was pulled into his guard and across the next minute had multiple opportunities to get back to his feet, but he didn't. He was content to just stay on the ground with him, and then 60 seconds later, he was tapping. The floor is lava, Jared, okay? Then against Chase Sherman, a guy who'd just been finished on the ground in back-to-back -back losses by guys who who took him down and just ground and pounded him, he decided to shoot zero takedowns and instead slug it out with him on the feet, a place where Chase was more than capable of putting on an absolute beast in, and he did. So I'm not sure where the logic was for Jared and the game plans, kind of like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, he always thought he was doing the right thing, but... <laughs> Number seven, Husamar Pal Harris versus Alan Belcher. 
The game plan had always been pretty simple for Husamar Paul Harris. Grab the guy, take him down, and try to leg lock him as quickly as possible. And while this worked on most people, trying it on another black belt was certainly not going to be as easy, especially when that black belt happened to be Alan Belcher, and when the guy who gave him his black belt used to be your coach. Alan and Usman were both on a free fight win streak and also had recently won submission of the night. It was no secret what Paul Harris was going to do, right? So during camp, Alan recruited heavyweight grappling champion Dean Lister to prepare with and he relentlessly tried to leg lock him. Based on where he was in his career, he knew that it was probably the most important fight of his life and honestly, it seemed like he'd been trained for one purpose, to put an end to the Usman win streak. Now, Paul Harris had said going into the fight, once I get him on the ground, I'm going to do a great job. But the reality of what happened was the complete opposite. They tangled on the ground like a pair of iPod headphones, but Belcher defended every leg attack Pal Harris threw at him. Shit, he was even trying to set up a twister at one point. After two minutes of non-stop attacks, Alan was still in the fight. I think even Joe Rogan got a bit biased. Back your hips up and get out of there, Alan! He got on top and rained down ground and pound until he TKO'd Usama at the end of the first round. Pal Harris might as well have been trying to catch a fish with his bare hands in that one. Number six, Yoel Romero versus Israel Adesanya. Not many people get a title shot off a loss, looking at you, Charles Sonnen, but even less people get a title shot off the back of two losses. But I suppose most people aren't Yoel Romero, who was, at the time, one of the scariest and most explosive guys in the middleweight division. After a close split decision loss to Rob Whittaker and then a fight of the night against Paulo Costa, which almost could have ended on more than one occasion, the UFC put him in to fight against Israel Adesanya off two losses. And you know what? We all thought it was going to be an amazing fight anyway. It was Izzy's first title defense um, against an absolute monster like Yoel. Yeah, come on. Stylistically, it was going to be interesting as well. I mean, we'd just seen Yoel maraud his way through the Costa fight, but was he going to try that against Adesanya? Some people thought the pressure he could bring might give Izzy problems, but, you know, we never did find out because Yoel had one of the strangest game plans of all time in this one. For most of the first two rounds, he kind of just stood in front of him, shelling up in guard like he was trying to protect himself from an incoming rainstorm or something. It seemed to be in an effort to make Izzy come forward and leave himself open for Yoel to counter, but the last stylebender has clearly watched enough anime not to be baited into an attack by an unassuming villain and instead stayed on the outside and picked him apart across five very long, very boring rounds. Yoel never got another title shot after that and moved on to other promotions where he started walloping people again. All right, my old cocker. You want another good walloping? You should have one. Number five, Mike Perry versus Donald Cerrone. Well, one fight that was pretty much guaranteed in no way to disappoint in the fans' eyes was when the UFC booked Mike Perry to fight Cowboy Cerrone. Two wild guys throwing down. It was going to be a fight no matter what and everyone was very much looking forward to it. You know, I'm proud of my art, my martial art. Uh, the platinum style is a badass style. Okay. Mike was coming off a split decision win over Paul Felder. Cowboy had just been dragged about by Leon Edwards, but either way, it was going to be a good time. Both of these guys were great strikers, but if anyone had an advantage anywhere, it was clearly Donald on the ground. Aside from his 16 submission wins, you know, he had some great takedowns as well. And Mike, well, he was just a brawler, really, wasn't he? Then I just accept that I'm going to get hit. And then, you know, I try to move a little bit and I might get touched, but I'm coming with like 10 punches. Now, Mike knew the game plan going in to counter the kicks and stay away from the ground game. I know he does want to try to take me to the ground, but I'm far too strong. I mean, I'll probably end up on top of him and crush his face with some elbows. Well, unfortunately for Mike, that just wasn't true. As Donald does, as I mentioned, have world-class jiu-jitsu. Mike decided to level change and take down Cowboy. Just 20 seconds later, Cowboy had swept him, taken top position, and with just a few seconds left in the first round, managed to armbar him. Well, Mike, you've only got yourself to blame, haven't you? Number four, Kevin Holland versus Wonderboy Thompson. This fight was done on very friendly terms. Howdy, partner. 
How do you plan the... Some people probably didn't realise this, but most saw it as a veteran taking on the new guy. But Kevin Holland actually had more MMA fights than Wonderboy, but they didn't stop him from acting like the nicest kid in school and making a gentleman's agreement not to wrestle in their fight. I choose violence. I mean, I'm not complaining. Who didn't want to see that? And in a way, it was karate versus kung fu. So Kevin fought Stephen with one game plan in mind. Keep it on the feet. But unfortunately, that didn't really work out. And by the final two rounds, he was getting absolutely mauled by Wonderboy. Probably shouldn't have let him stand up every time he got knocked down. I mean, Kevin got kicked so much, he broke his hand defending him. And he was facing one of the greatest strikers of all time. But, you know, he did it for our entertainment and for the fans. So props to you, Kevin Holland. Number three, Puelez Hooker and Hall Taporia. Ah, yes, the Imanari role, hard to master, exceedingly elegant, and I hear also a very tasty type of sushi. Can you give an example of low-hanging fruit? Damn you. But rarely do we see it work in MMA. Don't get me wrong, when it does, it can lead to a flawless Mortal Kombat-style victory. But if you mess up, well, you've just given up a horrible position, and you're more than likely going to get ground and pounded. There's been several memorable examples of that in MMA, including Ryan the Wizard Hall, the BJJ ace. He had a great success on The Ultimate Fighter, came in, leg-locked a bunch of people, but then got matched up with Ilya Tuporia, who wasn't just a black belt on the mat, but with these hands. After about the 10th attempt at an Imanari roll, most fans were rolling their own eyes, trying to level with Ryan that it probably wasn't going to work. And that's when Taporia decided he'd had enough and jumped on top of Hall and pummeled him like an anvil. We also saw recently Claudio Puelez take on Dan Hooker with very similar results. Number two, Rose Namajunas vs. Carla Esparza 2. There was a time Thug Rose was one of the most beloved fighters in the sport. And to be fair to her, honestly, I don't think much has changed now. We are one year removed from UFC 274, but the aftermath of her second fight against Carla Esparza was more destructive to her reputation than the World of Warcraft cataclysm. Because you're a nerd. For those of you in the know, these two fought in the tough finale nine years before, and Carla dominated her with her wrestling. So for Rose, the game plan going in was probably not get taken down. But she had shown she had seriously developed her jiu-jitsu game since then. But hey, I mean, it still made sense not to grapple, right? But undisputedly, Rose was better, if not one of the best strikers the division has ever seen. But she didn't want to go after Carla. In fact, on the night of the fight, it looked like she wanted to stay as far away from her as possible. Which led to an incredibly stale fight where both women just circled each other for almost 25 minutes. Things were made worse by her corner actively encouraging her to stick to this non-offensive game plan. But I think, honestly, getting taken down and controlled might have been better for her reputation than the game plan she chose to use. And it didn't even work, as Carla somehow managed to steal away her belt anyway. I'm proud of myself because I stuck to my strategy. I don't know. I, I thought I won that fight. I don't know. Number one, Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira. Okay, I'll admit that when the only ever two weight class glory kickboxing champion made it to the UFC, there was still quite a few unknowns about him. Like, Alex Pereira clearly had a lot of knockout power, but could he really make that work in the UFC and at the highest level? The answer was, well, maybe at that point. And Sean Strickland had been on a six-fight win streak. And although he'd been boxing everyone up, he could definitely take him down if he needed to. In fact, he probably should have, right? I mean, the guy was completely untested in that area and it certainly seemed like a much more logical game plan. 
but uh, Sean had other ideas. Just, I'll just come out and say it, man. I've been training hard, ready to knock this guy out, train with kickboxers, and I'm ready. It wasn't just that Sean wanted to stab with Alex and try and knock him out, but it's also that Sean's lean-back pull counter style was just going to be a nightmare against Alex's massive reach and his ability to land his monster left hook. So when the fight started, Sean seemed to have no intention of wanting to take Alex down, and his game plan to knock him out failed pretty tragically as he just kept walking himself into range and parrying Alex's left hand, which he turned into a lead hook and wrapped around Sean's outstretched arm to render him unconscious. It was right as DC was calling for a takedown, and maybe that would have been a good idea. Well, that sucked. uh, You never want to be someone's highlight, but that's a game we play. You know, I tried to stand and bang with one of the best kickboxers. During the round, I kept thinking, man, this is going to be an easy fight. I see everything this guy's throwing. I'm going to beat this guy up for three rounds. And then halfway through, I got caught. So hats off to Alex. He's a Killer. Well, I can tell you someone who's never had a game plan when I've played Apex with him. It's Luke Taylor. Sorry, mate, but you haven't carried me once, lad. You still did a good job editing this video, though, so go thank him, everyone, by following him on Twitter at calltome underscore. Ben Rosette had a good game plan teaming up with this channel. That is his song we use in our intro, and you can hear more of his stuff on Spotify. Just look up Ben Rosette. As always, thank you to our channel champions for supporting the content and helping in the creative process. If you want to get involved and get some extra super special MMA on point stuff, click join down below and you can find out more i know there are more failed game plans than this so let us know which one is your favorite down below don't forget we have already covered 10 of these in another video i've been bailey and thanks for watching hope you enjoyed it you sandwiches